Welcome to our Victory Outreach Boston podcast. We pray you are blessed, encouraged, and challenged with this message. Hallelujah, God is good. Amen. Let's stand here this morning for reading God's word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. If you could turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning, I'm going to read two scriptures. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 55. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is law. Verse 57. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you this morning for your Son and the Holy Spirit. God, I pray, Father, that you move me aside this morning, God, and Lord, open up every heart. Help me to simplify this message that you put in my heart, God, and I pray that you have your way this morning. I'm quick and careful to give you the glory, the honor, God, and all the praise this morning. Bless the sermon, God. Bless your people, Father. Let us not leave the same here this morning. And God, bless the baptism and the fellowship, Lord God. And Lord, God, have your way upon this church. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say, amen. amen and amen. You may take your seat here this morning. And I'm just thankful for my salvation. Uh, and I was just thinking how far God has brought me from, from the day I gave my life to Jesus. So I am thankful to Jesus Christ and also this ministry. This ministry was the vehicle God used to save my life. So I'm grateful for our, our sending pastors, Pastor Sonny Jr., Sister Kim. And uh, how many of you thank God for people who believe in us, right? People who believe in us, leaders who believe in us. So I'm grateful this morning. I titled this morning's message, Walking in Victory. Someone say, Walking in, in Victory. How many of God desire, desires us to walk in victory? In this morning's passage, we read about death, right? About victory, about sin. The sting, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But the verse 57, I want to zoom in on verse 57, it says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, to understand victory we must understand, right, sin. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, that through one man, sin entered the world, right? That one, right there in the Garden of Eden in the beginning, sin entered the world, right? They fell short, right? Eve ate of that tree that God said is forbidden, right? And then sin commence itself into mankind and thus the sinful nature right we, we we became sinful and that sin brings spiritual death to humanity man became guilty before god and in that sin separated us from fellowship with god it separated us and the bible even says that because of the sinful nature, we became hostile towards God. Our thinking, the nature, the sinful nature, we became formed enemies of God. And the Bible says that there is pleasure in sin for a season. 
for a season. Now that blast does not last. The, there's a quote saying, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. In one of the greatest sermons ever preached in the early 1700s, the message titled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God is a sermon written by American theologian Jonathan Edwards. He preached to his own congregation here in Northampton, Massachusetts, to the profound effect that the preaching of this sermon was a catalyst for the Great Awakening. For one of the greatest revivals to hit this nation was this sermon, the sinners in the hands of an angry God. The Bible tells us that if we say that we did not sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So sin became a universal problem. When it came to this fallen world and we fell short by God's standards, we missed the mark. See, that's what sin is. We miss God's mark. This answers the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Do you ever wonder that? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen in general, right, to innocent people? Why would God allow... Uh, the evil that, uh, that may be, um, dwell in some parts of the country. Why did God allow cancer to, to newborn babies or hunger in third world countries? Why did God allow earthquakes to take place and kill uh, thousands of people? Floods, mass murders, wars. You know, in Mighty Men of Valor, our founder, Pastor Sonny Sr., preached a message on the end times that Jesus is coming back soon, and we see the times now. We see the times are getting more wicked and wicked and wicked here in our country, here in the states. The devil's coming out, he's coming out, and he's like, hey. We just look at the laws being passed where men want to be women and women want to be men. Can we talk about it? Can we talk about things that are taking place? We're like, man, who in their right mind will allow this to take place? Sin. I want to let you know we have to just call it as it is. You know, sometimes we got to call, man, brother, that's sin. How many know we were sinful people? We were sinful people. By nature, we are sinful people. But I thank God. The Bible says, but, but God demonstrated his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died on the cross to pay a debt we did not owe. By the shedding of his blood, sin was atoned for. That means that the penalty of sin, he paid that penalty that should have been ours. He paid a debt that we owed. And because Jesus became the sacrificial atonement for our sins. Now death has no power over us. That's what the scripture is talking about. Now when Jesus died for our sins and we put our faith in the cross and we repent of our sin and we give our lives to Jesus by faith, 
that he gives us salvation. We've been born, the Bible says that we become a new creation, that we've been born again. And then we have access to his presence. And death has no longer no sting. In other words, when we die, we fellowship with God. To be absent from the body means present with God. That our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That when we go to heaven, man, we're washed by his blood, we're cleansed. We, we get to enter eternity with Jesus. Death no longer has a sting on us. But not only that, but his presence also brings healing into our lives. The Bible says by his stripes, we are healed. This is the heart of the gospel, the good news of God's plan. That sinners guilty before God now are justified by means of faith when we put our trust in God and Jesus Christ. We are forgiven. We are a new creation. We stand forgiven in right standing with God. We become righteous before God and we can attain the victory. That's my first point. Attaining the victory. See, prior to my uh, coming to Jesus, I, I was lost. I, I had a rough childhood. I, I never knew my father. I lost my mom at a young age, and I was very angry at God. And I, I quit gravitating towards the streets, and, you know, I, I started smoking weed, and I started drinking. And before you know it, I was just in a bad, I was in a bad season. I was rebellious. I thought I knew it all. Come on, somebody. I was a teen. I, I knew it all. I was just like, I know. I know. That was my word. I was just like, I know, I know, man. Like, everybody was telling me, man, you got, you know, I know. Like, I know it all. How many of teens, you know, like, we just know it all, right? Like, if you're a teenager, like, man, I know. We have all life's problems, and we just know it all, right? So I was right there. I was angry. I was bitter. I, and, and one thing led to another. Before you know, I found myself addicted. I found myself 16, 17-year-olds addicted, bound by substances. I, I, I was angry. I would steal. I would lie. I, I was perverted in my thinking. Man, I was very angry. I had fits of rage. Looking back, I, I, I was a fornicator. I, I, I was a liar, right? I, I was all this stuff. Finally, they, my family kicked me out, right? My aunts had to convince my grandma to just kick them out. And I found myself in the streets, dropped out of school, in and out of jail, doing crime. And I was in a very bad position in life. As a 23-year-old, I was incarcerated, and I wanted to change, but I couldn't. I could not find that rhythm. I couldn't find, I, could, I tried to do good. I, I was going to just maintain a job. I'm going to do good. But something inside of me, man, the sin that bounded me, the enemy that bounded me, I couldn't be free. I wanted to. I, want, I remember the desperation. Man, I wanted to change. But it was victory outreach. I came into that jail cell and preached the message. And something about these guys with mustaches and tattoos, and they were like, man, God set me free from heroin, and I got my family, and man, I've been set. Man, I remember them testifying, and I was like, man, these guys look hardcore. But the, man, they, they had an aroma about them. And then they were, they were being clean for years, and God restored their families, and they were productive citizens of societies. And I'm like, man, whatever they got, I want whatever they have. 
And so they started preaching about Jesus and about Victory Outreach and whatnot. So in January 1st of 2009, I stepped into a victory home. I stepped into a victory home, broken, addicted, bound. Man, I was all messed up. But in that home, I remember Robert Sanchez, a head staff, prayed for me. And I was on my knees, and all the brothers came. They got the oil. You know how we do it. We get the oil. Come on, we're going to pray for the brother, right? And I, I, right there, I said the sinner's prayer. I, I, I genuinely met. I genuinely asked God, Lord, if you can heal me. Lord, just take this drug addiction away. Take, this, take all this away. I don't want to live this life no more. God, if you could change me. And I gave my life to Jesus and my friend. That night, they casted the devil out of me. They literally casted the devil out of me. The demons that hold me bound, the anger, the rage, the bitterness, man, everything that I hold inside. Man, I woke up the next day, I felt like everything was color. I finally heard the birds singing. I felt peace within my being. I remember crying in chapel for six months straight, crying and being broken before the presence of God. How many know the church is a Holy Ghost hospital? How many know the church is a Holy Ghost hospital? So if you see people here, man, when we pray for people and they're like laying in the ground, man, we're casting, you know, the enemy out. How many know when people are broken, it's because God is doing something within our being? How many know it's good when we're broken in the altars, when we're weeping before God? That's what we want to see take place here. We want to see people broken before God. And the altar, because this church is a Holy Ghost hospital. That's why we praise him. That's why we worship God. That's why we lift his name on high every morning. We come and we sing songs to Jesus because we've been set free, right? Now, my sin might be different from your sin, but sin is sin, right? If it's drugs or alcohol or if you just lied, right? We all fall short. When it comes out, we all fall short before God. Our works, the Bible says, if we can work our way into heaven, then Jesus died for nothing. So here this morning, that's why we lift him mind. That's why we praise him with all of our hearts. I like a quote from a famous reverend or pastor, Samuel Rodriguez. He says, the size of of our praise is directly proportionate to the magnitude the hell God took us from. So if we, he brought us from a little hell, we give him a little praise. But if he set us free, man, from the depths of hell, from an addiction, man, from desperation, man, we give him the highest praise. We don't care what nobody says. We're going to praise God. We're going to worship him. God, we're going to magnify the name of the Lord. There's no shame in that. Oh, there's power in praise. When we praise God, man, there is power. Even when you're going through the fire and you're going through, like how we're going through it, we give him a sacrificial praise. God, I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand the problems within my family or the problems in my finances, the problems with my health, my children. But I'm going to praise you anyways, God, because you set me free from sin. Oh, you brought me this far. God, I know you're going to see me through. And because you're going to see me through, I will give you the glory, God. 
God will praise you, God. That's why we got to praise him in the house of God. We got to praise him. So when we repent of our sin, acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Bible says we become new creations. We become born again. Our old sinful lives were crucified with Christ, and sin loses its power over our lives. And we are no longer enslaved and bound in our mind or in our body to sin. We've been free. I'm free today. I'm no longer bound by a needle. I'm no longer bound by alcohol. I'm no longer bound by my job. I'm no longer bound by women. I may no longer be bound, right? Whatever that bound, you know, right? To some of us, it might be, man, just success. And we put our success before God. We put money in our cars. I've seen people put their cars and they shine their cars for hours and the rims. Oh, man, my 64 Impala. Ooh, their old cars. You ever had that? Oh, and then I was like, man, I could become an idol. Right? Or people who work out day and night, day and night, twice, three times a day. They ride their bodies and they look good. The women that look good, we, oh. we could be bound by that. Come on, let's keep it real. Right? Or we hold our children in a pedestal. Oh, look at my mijo. Oh, my child. Oh. There's different forms. And see, that's what baptism is all about. When we give our lives to Jesus... When you're baptized, a public declaration of one's confession and faith of the gospel message. Baptism declares that we are unashamed of what Christ died for us. It's a profession of our faith. It's a, it's a public declaration of an inward change. We are new creations. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17... In the Amplified Version, I'm going to read the Amplified Version, but this is the NIV. The NIV says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. I want to read it from the Amplified Version. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined by him by faith in the Savior, he is a new creation, reborn, renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things... The previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings new life. It brings new life. So that's step one. Step one is attaining the victory. If we want to walk in victory, we have to attain the victory, the power over sin. We have to give our lives to Jesus. We have to repent. We have to turn around. We have to acknowledge that we fall short of the glory of God. And we have to humble ourselves. Like, man, I am in need of a Savior. Very simple. Very simple. I'm in need of a Savior. I can't do this without God. Right? In other words, we're not independent from God. We're dependent on God, our Savior. Point two, keeping the victory. Tell your neighbor, Keeping the victory. Walking and keeping the victory is found in the life of Jesus. It's right in front of us. It's in the Bible. It's in the word of God. When we read the word of God, in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, this one scripture gives us insight 
and how you and I can keep the victory. The Bible says that Jesus, but Jesus often withdrew, withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 23 said, And after he sent them away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he slipped away to a solitary place and prayed. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus prayed. Was baptized too and he prayed. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. In those days, Jesus went out to the mountains to pray, and he spent all night in prayer to God. And lastly, I have a lot of verses that says this, but I'm going to read one more for the sake of time. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said these things, he took Peter, John, and James and went up to the mountains to pray. From Scripture... We see that Jesus, being the Son of God, had a lifestyle of prayer. We see that he, his life, right? We see secrets, uh, how, insight in the life of Jesus, how he was able to connect to the Father. That word often, or frequently, or a custom... Right? Different translations. He often withdrew. He had a custom. He was frequent. It was a part of his daily routine where he had a time to, time to pray. In other words, it was planned. He planned to spend time with God. It was part of his daily regiment. It was frequent. It was often where Jesus would go alone into a lonely place into a solitary place, into the wilderness to connect with God. Before he chose his disciples, before he healed people, before he did all these great miracles, he spent time in the presence of God. A place free from distraction. Come on now. Jesus needed that place where he can zoom in and tap into the well from heaven. It's that secret place. It's that secret place that we all have as believers. You know that there's a place where where God is waiting for us as believers? Now that we gave our lives to Jesus, we have a relationship with him. How many know that Jesus longs to have fellowship with us? He longs for us to spend time in his presence where he can pour out his spirit, where he can speak to us, where he can deal with us. Oh, my God. That quiet place, the secret place, a place where Jesus' humanity sought out strength. The Bible says that Jesus grew hungry, that Jesus grew tired. But it was in that place where Jesus learned how to tap into the wells of heaven Tap into the power of heaven where he can get direction, where he can get counsel, where he can get healing, where he, he can be, the, where the power of the Holy Spirit can dwell within him. Listen, church, 
And because of Jesus' prayer life, because he was able to spend time in God's presence, he was able to do great things for God. He was able to heal people. He was able to, to walk in such a way to please God. Sinless. Now, I know we're not sinless, but we should sin less. But the Bible tells us that that was the secret for him keeping the victory, maintaining a strong connection to God. The Bible tells us in John chapter 15, verse 4, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. Neither you can bear fruit unless you remain in me. How many of us believers, we have to remain in God. We have to be in the presence of God. We have to tap into that power at the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit is there, but we just got to tap into it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, So I say, walk in the, by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, faction, and envy, drunkenness, orgy, and, and the like. I warn you. Verse 22, now verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And let us not become conceited. My question to you this morning, are we walking in victory? Church, are we walking in the spirit or are we walking in the flesh? God did his part, right? God did his part. But in order for us to keep the victory, we have to do our part. We have to do our part to keep the victory, to maintain the victory. Sometimes we can walk in pride, come on, and self-sufficiency. Right? We, can, we as believers, sometimes we can manage and Right? Oh, we just got this whole Christian thing f- figured out, right? I don't know about you, but I, I, after a couple years of salvation, man, I got this walk figured out. I got a couple scriptures under my belt. Uh, the call to prayer and to seek God and desperation, intercede, becomes irrelevant at times. We have our own routines and we develop a custom apart from the presence of God. We walk into a place, right, and our light is not really shining the way God intended to shine. We become dual. We become indifferent at times, right? We become angry sometimes, right? We become, and sometimes it's like, man, what's the difference between us and the world? Can I be transparent with you that it all happens to us? It happens to the best of us. We get busy with life, we get busy with school, we get busy at work, we get busy maintaining a family, 
we get busy taking care of business, and sometimes we don't really have that custom, sometimes we don't have that, that regimen, sometimes it's not frequently when we just go to God Monday through Saturday, we're just, it's only on Sunday where we come and we feel his love and like, all right, cool. You know, that can happen to us, right? It happened to me. It happened to me. It happened to me. It happened to the seasons of our life. We're transparent this morning. And it, t- it takes work to get back into that place, back into the secret place, back into the place where we feel peace, back into the place where we draw power from God, back into that place where God longs us to be, where he speaks to us, where he encourages us, where, 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 where peace. You ever been in the presence of God and you just feel so much peace? Like, man, God, I'm walking in your perfect world. God, you are with me. God, I'm, you're, we're hearing his voice. He's speaking to us in the word. It, t- it takes work to get back into that place of faith. Where faith arouses, we want to do a work for God. And we don't put God in a box. How I many know sometimes we can put God in the box? God, you're right there, and when I need you, I'll come get you. I got this. We can have that sometimes, right? I got this. I got this master plan. I got this, God. I'll take care of this. I don't know that can happen, right? Instead of trusting in God, God, you know what? You're in control of this situation. So here this morning, I want to rattle you guys up. Rattle the church up. Rattle myself up. How many of you know we got to keep it real sometimes? As the musicians come up, my last point is thriving in victory. Thriving in victory. See, God never intended us to live a life apart from him. Jesus said, I, he said, you will receive, you will receive when the, from the beginning, the Bible says that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit falls on you. And how many know that power enables us to be a witness for God? That power enables us to be the believers that God has called us to be here this morning. Never forget that, church. That you and I have a responsibility to tap into the power of God. When God set us free, he gave us the victory. We look at the life of Jesus, he kept the victory. The Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. So it's our responsibility to go into and get deeper within, deeper in the things of God. There's seasons in our life where God will require more of us. Where that 10-minute prayer, that 10-minute Bible devotion is not enough. God does not want us to be the same church. God wants us to grow in our devotion. God wants to have an intimate relationship with you and I. So he gave us the power to overcome every lie of the devil, every trial of life, everything that the flesh desires to rule all of us. God has given us the power to overcome so we have the victory. 
you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit is the power that we need to live victorious Christian lives. If there's ever a time where we need to live victorious, it's now. In this age, we need to live victorious. It's attracting when God's people live victorious life. I remember growing up, and I remember so, so people of individuals being so full of God. And I felt so very short in my early walks with God. I struggled in my mind and my thinking. And, and I was like, man, I just, I want to be like my leader. I want to be that man of God. I want to be a man of integrity. I want to be a man of character. I want to be a man who stands for God. I want to be man, a man of truth. I want to be a man that represents God well. And through the course of time, I saw myself change and change and evolve and grow. Even today, God requires more of my life. God will require more of us, church. God requires more of us. Maybe you're in a season where you might be full stuck, but God say, I require more of you, child. I require more of you, daughter. I require more of you, son. Come closer. One of my favorite Bible characters in the Bible is King David, the great man of God, the great king. As I studied the life of David in his account, we read that he didn't start off in a great place. He started off his father didn't even invite him to the ceremony where Samuel came to anoint the next king. Some say he was, his dad had him out of wedlock. He was the youngest of all sons. But we do see that he started small. But we also see how God blessed him. He was out there in the shepherd's field. And that meant he had lonely vigils. But we see and know that David developed an intimate relationship with God. The New Testament testify and says, I found a man who will do everything I want him to do. In Acts 13, 22, it says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. See, when we're in God's presence, change takes place. When Jesus was in his presence, he left and he said, all right, not my will, but your will, God. It was in the presence of God where where change takes place within our heart. How many know God wants to change us? God wants to direct us. And he found David. And David, above all the things that he accomplished about his military exploits and his administration, how he took Israel to the next level and they became a nation, they became a powerhouse, God didn't look at that. There's one thing that stands out in the life of David more than anything else, and it was his relationship with God. That one thing that caused David to be a success 
was his intimacy with the Lord. Here this morning, God wants to do great things within our lives, within this church. But he's requiring more of us. He's requiring us to get deeper in the things of God, deeper in his presence where we find strength to overcome. You're, you're going to overcome this last quarter of the year and the next quarter of next year. God is taking this church. God is taking your family. God is taking you to the next level because it's his will. It's his will for us to thrive. Breakthroughs around the corner. Salvations around the corner. Financial breakthroughs. Healings. Restoration. Save, uh, God's going to save our family. God, God's going to start. We're going we're to have ideas for that business. Man, God's going to take this church to the whole never level. We're going to be an influence right here in affluence in New England. And I can see churches being launched from here. We're going to establish men and women's homes and youth ministries. Do you see it? Do you see what God wants to do? Our prayer should be, God, not my will, but your will, God. Not my way, but your way, God. Change my heart. Fill me with the power, God, to live a righteous life. To overcome this temptation, this habit that's not of you. Search me, oh God, and see if there's anything that displeases you. It's in the presence of God where that takes place, where there's a shift. So here this morning, that's my prayer. I, I, I gave you what God gave me, what the Holy Spirit gave me. And I want to do something special. For all those who are being baptized and for all those who want to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. We need an infilling of God's power. We need, we need a fresh baptism from Pentecost. That's what we need. We need God's power this morning. We don't need, you know, a three-step program. We need God. We need the power of God. We need His Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray this message builds your faith, encourages, and strengthens you in your walk with the Lord. If you would like to partner with us, sow a seed today. Head on over to our website at voboston.org and hit the giving link located.